But For yep, sure. Pastor Daniel, everybody. Thank you. Woo! Thank you. Would you mind grabbing that that stand for me back there? Yeah. It's kind of an old habit. Y'all remember during the uh, lockdown when we were having the online service, right? I had every time that I preached, I had that that strange little wooden stand right here in front of me, and so now it's almost like I have to have it, right? Um, how are y'all doing tonight, though? Good Wednesday night, right? You had a good long day, right? Halfway through the week, you got Thursday and Friday left, and it's then it's Saturday. Um, you know, if you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor. I'm usually back in my cave back there with those guys. Um, it's fun. We have pizza. It's great. Um, th- these are our, some of our youth. We've got one in the sound booth back there, if not two. Um, and, you know, let me tell you, um, tonight, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is a topic. Thank you so much, Tom. Dominic. Um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight is a topic that I started with the youth about two Sundays ago, I think it was Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and, and we've been focusing a lot over the past month or so uh, about examining the, our, our own actions, examining the why we do what it is that we do, what is our motivation, uh, are our actions evidence of who we are? And we're going to touch on that tonight. Um, but the Bible talks a lot, a lot, a lot about the motivation of our actions and what our actions truly are. Um, it's the, the most colorful evidence of a true relationship with Jesus. You can say all the pretty words you want to. You can, you can speak eloquently. I can stand up here and speak, but if I don't love God, none of my words mean anything. So I've been reading a lot in Matthew, and just lo and behold, um, in Matthew has one of the most... Um, challenging parts about examining our actions. And I'm going to start tonight, and Kyle doesn't even know my verses, so we're, we're just going to flow with it, man. Um, <laughs> we're going to start in Matthew 7, verse 15 uh, through 17, if you want to follow along. And what it says there in the New Living uh, Translation, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree does not produce good fruit is chopped. So sorry. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Let's go ahead and pray for that real quick. Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that's spoken, that we're able to examine ourselves through and through by your word, and we use the Bible as a mirror to, to, to examine ourselves. Father, I ask that tonight that you would reveal in our hearts our true motives, our true actions, and that you would allow us to seek you, Lord, and allow us to, to live out our lives as a way that is glorifying to you, Father. Father, bless all those who hear this word. Let it grow root uh, and produce good fruit in our lives, Father. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So in Matthew 7, um, actually in the book of Matthew, Jesus starts around chapter, I think it's 3 or 4, he starts the Sermon on the Mount, right? Very early on in his ministry, um, right after he gets baptized, gets off of a very long fast, you know, goes through some trials, and then comes out of that, he's at the, he's at the Sermon on the Mount, right? And um, during this time, 
He is in the area, kind of the northern shore of Israel, um, near Capernaum. And he's giving this sermon to his uh, disciples. And the Sermon on the Mount is actually the most well-documented sermon that uh, Jesus ever gave. So there was literally a guy sitting there, and he was writing the whole thing down. I mean, can you imagine writing everything that I'm saying down? Okay, you, come on, man, you've got to slow down. Let's, let's keep up. But what he's doing there is, is he's, he's examining kind of the times. So as you all know, you've, you've heard of the Pharisees. You know, you've heard of the great rift in class during the time. You had the Pharisees, which were the kind of ruling religious class, and you kind of just had everyone else, right? Everyone who was not included into the Pharisee order. And if we, if we look at the way that Jesus was trying to pinpoint that sermon and who he was trying to kind of sift out there, it was that do as I say, not as I do mentality. It was very, very popular at the time. And it was popular with a lot of the leaders in the temple who were um, somewhat corrupt. It's a very interesting <laughs> picture up there. So the, the way that I named my sermon was, you know, uh, fruit, is it ripe or rotten? And looking back to the time when, you know, Jesus was examining people's actions, later on he addressed this by going into the temple and he made the whip and he started whipping people out of the temple. Uh, and the times that Jesus got the most angry was not at the people who were sinners because they were relatively ignorant. It was the people who were serving in the church. Jesus didn't get mad at the sinners. He spent the most time loving them, putting their arms around them, trying to get them to understand the word of God. But the religious leaders at the time made those people feel like they were condemned. Just a couple examples, right? Um, during the time of the temple sacrifices, one of the things that Jesus was trying to pinpoint there was is they had these vendors and money changers that were in the temple. Um, and if you don't know why they had money changers, is that people would show up to the temple and they would bring their sacrifices. And that was okay for quite a while, and eventually they would start to say, well, your sacrifice isn't a clean sacrifice. It's not good enough. So buy one of ours. You can, you can buy a temple sacrifice. It's clean. We've, we've sanctified the sacrifice, so you can bring it in and... It'll be good enough to sacrifice to God. And, you know, if you're an ignorant person who has no idea, you can't read, you don't have the scriptures at home, you, you can't flip through them, how do you know? It's easy to get taken advantage of. And what they would do is that they would sell, I'm going to grab my water, sorry. They would sell these sacrifices to the common folk. Well, then a couple of the leaders got together and they had a really good idea, right? And their good idea was, hey, not only are we going to sell our own sacrifices, but we're going to have our own currency too. This currency was equivalent to, um, it was $2 for every one of theirs. Right? So the conversion rate was terrible. So that's why you had the money changers in the temple. The money changers were making a 100% profit off of every transaction. You gave them $2, they gave you back one, and then you would have to buy a $50 sacrifice. I mean, think about buying a bottle of water at Disney World, right? Hey, your water bottles can't come in, but you can buy one of ours, right? So that's kind of the mentality of this, hey, like, you know, you're going to buy our sacrifice, you're going to sacrifice it, and your money is filthy, and your sacrifice is filthy, so you're going to use ours. 
they were taking advantage of the everyday common church folk. And again, Jesus got the most frustrated. And if you look throughout the history of the Bible, when God gets angry at anyone in the Bible, usually it's people who are the people who are serving in leadership who have abandoned or betrayed the laws that they already know. And it's very easy when you read the scripture and you go back to, now that I've given you that context, if we read, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Now that I go back and reread that, it kind of paints a little bit more of a colorful picture. And you can see who these people are by their actions. Because who was the interested party that they had in that whole transaction? It was just, hey, me. How can I profit? How can we make the most money? How can we look the most holy? How can we separate ourselves? Because you may not know this, but the Pharisees actually started as a really good-intentioned organization. In the, in the looming um, possibility of Roman rule, when they were coming in, um, I think I talked a little about Roman rule. They would come in, they would try to um, integrate a society into their own and mix things together to form a... Um, a um, <laughs> They, 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 they try to form a mixed society, if you will. I'm trying to find the right word for it, but mixed will work just perfectly fine. But they try to form this mixed society, and the Pharisee says, no, we have to stay separate. So Pharisees translated to the separated ones, the, the, the ones who were away from the, the, the mixed, what God didn't want to have happen. So they said, hey, you know what? We're going to be over here by ourselves. So it started with good intentions, and eventually... They started to make their own rules to be even more pure than what the word of God suggested that they do. So they started to say, hey, look, we're going to go ahead and you can't do this on this day and you can't speak this way and you can't touch this person and you can't go to Samaria and you can't do this, this, and this. And then those good intentions started to breed evil attitudes and evil actions. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys a quick question, right? What is y'all's favorite fruit? I, I think I asked you guys this a couple Sundays ago. What is your favorite fruit? Anybody? Apples? Strawberries. That's a really good one. Okay. What is it? Dragon, dragon fruit. I love me some dragon fruit. The red one or the white one? Red one's the best. Yes, Ava. Sorry, Logan. <laughs> My bad. What's your favorite fruit? Come on, man. It's not that hard. Kiwi, all right. Kiwi fruit, same thing. Okay. Not the kiwi bird, but the kiwi. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not a fruit. Ava? Apples, all right. Apples, uh, anybody else? Pineapple? Mango, okay. Um, one of my favorite ones is also... Uh, I love mangoes. I could, I could eat a bundle of mangoes. They're amazing. Yeah, but if you get the right one and you just scoop it out, the process is horrible. But once you get the result, it's great. I'm sorry for making y'all hungry, but it's just kind of a we're, – we're talking about fruit. Strawberries. Uh, someone said strawberries. I can't remember who it was. Strawberries. Strawberries are one of the best examples. You know, like, strawberries have a very short window, right? You buy strawberries, and they're, like, really, really good for a few days, and then you just got to throw them out because it's like, what happened? They were so good. Right? 
Um, bananas are another one, right? So if you think about bananas, it's either like, hey, this is amazing or it's trash. There's no in-between. And with bananas, I like mine a little bit closer to the green side. Call me weird. But just turned yellow. Like, that's my favorite. Still pretty fresh. And one day I bought these bananas from Walmart, and God bless the person that was helping me out, but she handled those things a little bit rough. Because by the time I got home, my bananas were like beat to, you know, what and back. Like, they were all black, right? I was like, what am I going to do with this? Like, banana bread, that's about it, right? That's all you can do with that. Um, And if you're on a diet, forget banana bread, because you can't even do that. But I use that because it's like this, God's looking at actions, right? God's looking at actions as his fruit. You're producing fruit as you go along. Everything that you do, if you, if you go in your head, and I'll give you like five seconds real quick, look back over the past month. Think about your actions. Were they glorifying God, or were they not glorifying God? Come on, Christians. Are they glorifying God, right? And like, the biggest test is when you're like in traffic, right? <laughs> look. I don't want to hear the words of some of y'all saying traffic because, I mean, like, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I've been there, right? And, you know, that dude cuts you off and you're like, like, that's the true test. And you're, like, bashing your steering wheel and, come on, man, like, what's, what's going on? That's, like, the true test is when no one else can see you and no one else can hear you, how do you act? Because while no one else can see you, you're still producing fruit. Because even though man can't see you, God still can't. You are in constant witness, whether you're witnessing to a human being or you're witnessing to God himself. And how you act when no one else is looking, what those actions produce is a testimony to him that says, how close am I to you? How conjoined are we? Are we together or is there a rift? I'm going to come back to that. This time of year, I love to look around at... um, why it is that we do what we do, because y'all know, starting October, it's kind of like the season of traditions, right? Um, I'm going to lose some of y'all in a second. I, I, I promise you I'm going to lose you. Um, Halloween was one of my favorite things as a kid. And I've already addressed this with the youth. I've already talked to you guys about Halloween, so we've already had that conversation. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't like Halloween. Um, I, don't, I just don't do it. It used to be my favorite holiday as a kid. I used to do the whole dress-up thing. I used to love to watch scary movies and everything. And me and my brother, uh, we used to, you know, do the whole thing, walk around the neighborhood, had all the kids and everything. It was great. But then I, you know, I started to look at, as I got older and, you know, I started following Christ. And I, I did the deep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spare the details because there's a sermon that I can share with you that goes into horrific detail of what Halloween's all about. I'm not going to go there. Um, but I will say this, is like, you know, if, you, if we know that the wages of sin is death, why are we celebrating a holiday that celebrates death? Um, that's the question that I posed when I was asking them about Halloween, is why are we doing the things that we're doing? Are we spending more effort and more time getting ready for an arbitrary holiday? As far as we know, that is just rooted in tradition, because if you go out and ask a random person, why are you celebrating Halloween? They don't know. It's candy and getting dressed up. and There's some innocence there for sure. Um, but as you look into it and you find out, and there's a lot of things that you can poke around about Christmas too. It's like, why are you putting up a Christmas tree, you know? Um, in the deep heart of it, Christmas is ultimately rooted in Christ. Um, whether we celebrate it on, in April when, when scholars suggested he was really born or we celebrate it in 
around December 25th, which is the traditional winter solstice, right? That w the Roman Empire can join the two together because they said, well, if we can, it'd be easier to convert people if we have it on the winter solstice because they're already celebrating anyway, so let's just make it December 25th. They knew that he wasn't born in the winter time. Nothing supports that. But again, why do we celebrate Christmas? Because we're celebrating Christ. Why do we celebrate Halloween? It's a totally different thing altogether. It has nothing to do with the how you celebrate it. It's just that are you celebrating it? And again, I'm going to shift on from there because, again, that's an easy place to lose people. There's different opinions on it. Uh, for, for me personally, I upset some people that are very close to me. I once I told them that. And um, yeah, I'm not going to say specific names, but they were very close to me, and they were, did not agree with my stance on that, and that's okay. Um, but again, at the end of the day, when, when if, if I find something out, I know it, now guess what? I'm accountable for my actions because of my knowledge. And if I'm accountable to my actions for my knowledge, and I have to face God one day, especially as a pastor, and he's saying, hey, well, why, why were you doing that? You were leading people. You were, you were up there. Are you, are you doing this on purpose? And I want to go up to God and say, I didn't do it because I knew it was the wrong thing to do. So, you know, if we look at what spiritual fruit looks like, you know, if we go into Galatians 5, I'm going to go through this. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. It's lengthy, but I want to get through it real quick because it, it does um, go through the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. Um, real quick, here we go, perfect, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but instead use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and, and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And I'm going to like pause right there real quick because if we're talking about fruits in any given season, the election season is the number one season that we can look at for fruits because that's when things just naturally come out. Um, I have really good friends of mine who are on the left side of the aisle and really good friends who are on the right side of the aisle. I'll be very honest and truthful to you. I have no political party. I took mine away a long time ago. Um, and I did that on purpose because I give financial advice in my day job and I give spiritual advice in my night job, right? So I come from a point where I don't want any bias. I don't want to sit here and say, hey, I'm coming from a blank. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have a political party at all. If you have one, more power to you. But it was a conviction that I felt about me personally. And there's so much hatred towards one side or the other. And if none of you are on Twitter, don't go on Twitter. It's horrible because people hate each other on Twitter. Um, it's a social network, if you don't know, where you have 140 characters, I think, right? Yeah. Or 240? I can't remember. 140 characters to say whatever you want to say. And the worst arguments I've ever seen have been on Twitter. Um, people can hide behind a computer screen and espouse their hatred all that they want to. And when you know that no one's going to hold you accountable for what you're doing, that's when you can really be yourself. Think about that for a second. No one can track you down. If right now you could do something and no one would ever hold you accountable for it, no one would ever witness you do it, but you can do it in complete 
anonymity. Say that five times fast. Complete anonymity. You can be anonymous in your action. Would you be kind or would you indulge the flesh? The flesh. And when I say indulge the flesh, I mean this is kind of what God goes into here. So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. The wild parties thing, I know y'all think that youth are crazy, but we don't do wild parties. (laughs) No. We have good kids, by the way. They're awesome, every single one of them. Yeah. No, Logan's awesome. Yeah. Logan's awesome. Um, let me tell you again, as I have before, that everyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us flow, sorry, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. If there's ever a time that that should speak to us, it's right now in in the place that we're living right now. Because right now, believe it or not, your fruits will be more evident than anything because everything is so polarized. Your, your, Your actions are boiling to the top believe it or not, whether you intend them to or not. Because those actions start as thoughts, and then they transfer out into words, and then eventually they come out to actual physical manifestation of action. Um, I'm seeing political signs now that are being spray-painted over on the side of the road. I'm seeing people stealing other people's property. I'm seeing, and this is on both sides of the aisle. This is not one or the other. I'm not going to pretend like there's an innocent party here because if we look at the way that us as even just Americans are treating each other in general, it's, it's, it's not good. And there's people who are inside not our church, but the church as a whole, capital C Church, that treat people in a polarizing manner to where they view all Christians in the same light because of the way that they're treating others. Yeah. Are, we, are we taking their expectation of us as bad people and completely destroying it with our love? Are we overflowing nothing but love, nothing but respect for your fellow man? And you're saying, like, look, I don't agree with you, but I still love you. You might have bad intentions for me, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to reciprocate. I'm not going to take my my dislike for your lifestyle or my disbelief in your lifestyle and crush you for it. That's not my role. The word of God doesn't say that's my role. The word of God says that I am supposed to love you and bring you to Jesus. And then you can work that out with him. Are we doing that? Youth, are we doing that? Are we showing our peers, the people that are next to us in school, 
that we truly love them, that we truly care for them, even if they're weird. Look, you guys got to hear some of their stories. There are some weird kids in the school. I mean, if y'all remember back to school, like there were some, there were some genuinely like weird kids. If you can look back to school and you go, like, maybe you were that weird kid. I may have been the weird kid. I, I, you know, some people probably look at me and go, why is his backpack so big? He has a locker. I mean, like, I was the kid with the big backpack, right? And I used to, like, hunch over and be like, oh, look at, look at my books. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry them all to class. Yeah, because I didn't want to, like, be inconvenienced to go to my locker, you know? I didn't want to do that. I was like, it's more efficient this way, right? I was a nerd, so <laughs> still am a nerd. I just dress different, so I'm still a nerd. Um, but, the, but the fact is, is, you know, are you taking the kid that no one wants to talk to in school or the guy at the office who no one wants to be around and pouring a little bit of love on that person? Because believe it or not, the reason that they keep to themselves is because no one shows them any kind of care, kindness, or love? Are we pouring that into everyone in our circles? You know who the hardest it is to do with? And, and um, <laughs> I'm having experience with this um, in, a, in, a, in a lot of different ways. It's family and extended family, right? Um, sometimes family is very hard to show the same kind of love as it is to a stranger, right? It's so easy to give the homeless guy in the corner 20 bucks as you feel bad for him. But, hey, if your brother comes up and says, hey, can I have 20 bucks? You're like, I need that back by next week with interest. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's easy to do that because you have an emotional expectation and attachment to that person. So when they disappoint you, emotions flare immediately without hesitation. You will jump on your spouse a whole lot quicker than you will some stranger that just so happens to press the wrong button. You're like, oh, Jesus loves you. I'm praying for you. But then when it's your spouse, it's like, you know? Um, or you have to, you know, I'm going to the other room right now. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of the two. And we're, and we're all guilty of it. We've all done it either. If we're not doing it right now, it may have been 10 years ago in your marriage. Um, but again, it's, it's that fruit. It's you're, you're witnessing to the person that lives with you. And just because you haven't, uh, you've been married for 50 years or 30 years or 10 years or five years even, doesn't mean you have to stop witnessing to that person. Even more so, you have to pour out to that person every single day. Husbands, you guys know that we need our wives to pour into us a whole lot sometimes. Um, sometimes our wives are just, when we're feeling low on the faith gauge, a little like, you know, cheering on from your wife can go a whole long way. And, it, and I'm, I'm sure it's the other way around too. Like, I know Jen tells me all the time, it's like when I'm, when I'm like, when she sees me like reading the Bible and praying and on my knees and, you know, looking, you know, to God for everything, it like it lifts her faith up. But she's like, you're a team. And like those, those fruits come through. And when you're low on faith, when your relationship with God is separated for even just a season, your spouse sees that before anybody else does. Kids, the same thing to your parents, right? When you see your parents aren't in that, in that groove with God right now, it's easy to get affected by that. And I'm sure parents can get disappointed if they see that their kids aren't that way. But see, the people that you're around the most need to see that fruit. They need that. And that brings me back a little bit to, um, you know, if we look at our relationship with uh, Jesus, right? 
Do you remember like when you first, you like really first found Jesus? You first found out. I mean, it was like, it was like when you first met like the love of your life, right? Like, oh yeah, you want to go to a restaurant? Oh, anything you want. You want extra cheese? Put that extra cheese on it. Extra 50 cents for you, babe. It's all good. I'll do that. $3 for an extra patty? You, you get an extra patty. You eat whatever you want. Go ahead. Five years later, you're like, oh, my gosh, man, you're going to throw extra cheese on that thing? And then, like, when you're first married, it's like anything you want, right? Anything you want, I got you. I remember when me and Jen uh, first, first got together. She lived in Kentucky, and I lived down here. Um, short story, we, we, we met on MySpace. MySpace. Um, if y'all remember MySpace. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's Facebook for old people, yes. Um. <laughs> We used to have playlists on our page, thank you very much. But we met on MySpace, she lived in Kentucky, and I remember I used to get off of work on a Friday, and I used to get in the car, pack all my gear, and drive 647 miles to, to Whitley, Kentucky, to go visit her. And uh, I remember the first time I met her, three months after we, we met. We met in person, I got on a plane, went up there, got a rental car, drove this horrible Chevy rental car through the mountains. I felt like I was gonna fall off the cliff. Um, but again, that was a, that was a fruit that she saw. I mean, hey, this guy actually loves me. He's going through all this to, to be with me, right? And then, you know, as your marriage goes on, it's kind of like, hey, babe, can you take out the trash? Oh, I don't want to take out the trash right now. I'll do it tomorrow morning, right? Simple things, simple things. One of the things that Jen tells me all the time that I'm horrible with is, uh, like, just, just, if you see dishes, just do them. If you see laundry, just pick it up. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then, like, those laundry, I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll do that a little bit later, and then I just never get to it. And she's like, you never do the dishes. And I'm like, come on. But, you know, I'm, I'm telling myself a little bit, but all of you can relate to this in one way or another, right? Is are we doing the same thing to God? Are we doing the same thing in our relationship with Jesus? Are we... Leaving God on red, right? Just, just imagine God texts you, right? He drops a word in your heart, and you just don't respond to it. No action, no thought, no words, nothing. You don't stop and pray. You just continue on with your day. We do it every day. I would, I would dare say that the majority of us do. It's easy to. Because we have 50 different voices talking to us in 50 different directions at any given time. You've got political ads texting you all the time. You've got everything vying for your attention 24-7. And if there's ever a time that we need to have stillness, peace, and quiet with God, it is now because everything else is pulling for us to pay attention. So the question that I want to pose to you, um, kind of as we get to the end, and I'm going to read another verse. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite at the end yet, but I'm getting there. Um, is are you still doing anything for Jesus? Are you still pursuing him? Not just, not just letting him pursue you because God always pursues his people. God won't just let you go off into the wild and, and go off onto your own because let me tell you, I did that. I went off into my own and I, I thought that I could go back into my old life. And then Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're, <laughs> come on back over here, right? Brought me back in. Are you pursuing him like he's pursuing you? That's a very base question. 
And youth, I pose the same question to you. Are you pursuing God the way that he's pursuing you? That constantly he's reaching out to you and he's trying to say, he's trying to say, Ava, come on. He's trying to say, Coley, like, come talk to me. Come spend a little bit of time with me. Because you guys know, y'all have busier schedules than every adult in this room. You guys wake up in the morning for school, you get off of school, guess what? You got baseball, you got soccer practice, you got band practice, and that's just one person. Y'all should hear some of their schedules. If you've never heard a modern-day middle schooler's schedule, you want to get, like, tired just by hearing something? Listen to what they got to say. These kids don't get home until 10 o'clock at night sometimes. Well, it's true. It's true. And then they got to do homework when they get home. It's like, come on, like, give me a little bit of a break. This is, like, during COVID, too. This is not, like, like pre-COVID. This is during COVID. So it's, you know, again, it's, even though that you guys have busy schedules, let me tell you, that is not an excuse for not spending time with God. I love you all, and I understand that you guys have busy days. But that is not an excuse for not spending time with God. What God says is, is I need to talk to you. And the more that you pursue him, the more that he's going to make himself audible. You'll hear him more when you pursue him more. The more you seek, the more you'll find it's in scripture. It's very, very audible. The one that stands out to me, and probably the most horrifically terrifying Bible verse I've ever heard is this one. Uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away with me, you who break God's laws. God is not talking to sinful people there. He's talking to people in pews. It scares me. Because what that says to me is, is that there is a people that God sees that even though they might be sitting next to you in the pew, I'm, I, again, maybe not in this church, maybe in other churches, but again, we all have to look introspectively and say, are we really living for God? Do we have that relationship with God that's producing the fruit of, what he, what, of the will of the Father in heaven? Because those people are casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Those people are showing up to church every Sunday. They're putting money in the, well, we have an offering box now, right? They're putting money in the offering box. They're, they're, they're doing the things that look like church people. But are they living for Jesus? If I talk to the people who are in your life outside of Sunday and Wednesday, will I get the same impression that I do on Sunday and Wednesday? Right? That's, that's the thing that I want us to look at as a people. And I'm not, I didn't have anyone in mind when I made the sermon. This was the Holy Spirit dumping this into me literally an hour and a half before the service tonight. And I'm like, this is some scary stuff to talk about. But in the time and place that we live right now, these are the things that I feel that the Holy Spirit is telling me that we need to take a look at. Because you are to be the person who brings the light to the world. You take Jesus and you put, it in front of, you put him in front of people. You put that light on full display. And you know, just like I was talking about earlier how, you know, you all have your favorite fruit. Um, I'm very specific with my favorite fruit. Some of you might know me, I'm a little OCD. But I have 
envy apples are my favorite, fa favorite fruit. They're crisp, they're sweet, they're amazing. The one thing I can't stand, though, is like when I bite into an apple and it's like a little bit soggy, I'm just like throw the whole thing out. Just take the whole batch of it, put it in the trash can because I can't, I can't do that. It's like applesauce at that point. For me, I, it's, it's got to be crisp. Otherwise, the, the, the texture, I just can't do it. But is God taking a look at the fruit that you're producing and is he taking your fruit and just saying, I got to throw that in the trash. I can't stand it. Or is he saying, this is a crisp one. This is, this is really good. This is perfect. This is what I'm looking for. And as I close up, I want to go ahead and um, pose a few questions to you. Is What does your fruit say about you? You're probably sitting in here, and if your fruit is, is great, like, who's, who's ever been to a fresh market? Right? I love fresh market, right? So fresh market, Whole Foods, like the, the place where you pay per letter in the name of the fruit, right, as opposed to, like, per pound, right? Um, like you go to Whole Foods, it's like super organic, never sprayed, bowl, like, like you're paying per word, right? So, so <laughs> extra boiled chicken five times over, like it's got a whole paragraph behind it, right? So <laughs> you're, you're, you're paying per word. And so is your fruit like the kind of fruit that they would have on display in a fresh market? Is it the most desirable fruit out there? Do people look at your fruit and go, I want to buy some of that if only I could afford it? Because you know that there's a price to your actions. You, you give your life to Jesus, and he's paid your price. So you can just go into fresh market and pick out what you want to buy, even if it's 50 words long. You can buy whatever you want to get, right? Your fruit should be that fruit. And I'm not perfect. Some of mine get soggy, too. And there's times where I'm in the car, and I'm like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? Don't cut in front of me. You know, all of us get there. But are we looking at our fruit and saying, are we producing the kind of fruit that God says, I'm putting this one on display? Or are we producing fruit that goes right into the garbage disposal? Because that's what he's saying. The trees that produce bad fruit will be chopped down and thrown in the fire. Your actions don't produce your salvation. Your faith in Jesus produces your salvation. But the evidence of that faith is a relationship with Jesus because once you see him and you know that he exists, why wouldn't you pursue the God of heaven and earth if you know he's real, why would you not rapidly, uh, rapidly chase after him as if he is right there next to you because you know he's real? Is this the kind of relationship that is just producing love and joy and peace? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and bow their head and close their eyes. I'm just going to do a simple altar call. Not, not Well, if you want to come up and get prayed for, hey, come on up. But let's just do the simple... Raise your hand, right? Um, no one's looking around, so no one's going to say, hey, uh, that person, ooh. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that right now that you touch every heart, that you begin to soften hearts in this room and those watching online, that you allow your Holy Spirit to begin a work in all of us, and that you would allow us to get even closer to you right now, that you would reveal in us our true intentions that you reveal in us our true motivations, why we do what it is that we do. If you're in here tonight and you're saying, look, you know, Pastor Daniel, you really hit a chord with me, and I'm realizing that my fruit's not, not so ripe, that it's, that's a little bit rotten.
could you please pray for me that I would get closer to Jesus and that I would produce better fruit? Go ahead and raise your hand for me. Youth, adults, doesn't thank you. Thank you so much. If you could say right now in this room, look, I'm, I feel like I'm producing pretty good fruit, but my relationship with Jesus is not where I think it should be. I need to get that relationship closer. I want that first love again. I want to get that, that fire lit right in my belly again. I want to pursue him more than I'm pursuing him. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you right now. You want to pursue him more because you're not chasing that. Thank you. I love my youth, man. They're awesome. Love you guys. Heavenly Father, I pray for every heart in this room, Lord. Whether they raise their hand or not, whether they're young, old, in between, Lord, I, I pray for everyone that, that, that they would just have an on-fire, passionate relationship with you, Lord, that they cannot wait to tell people about you and that they can't wait to show it through how they act, what they do, and how they do it. Lord, I ask that you just have every motivation be checked right now, including my own. Lord, I know that you have me speak messages sometimes, and half the time you're preaching to me, Lord, and if this is something that you want me to work on, Lord, refine me just as well. But Lord, I ask that every heart in this room be refined in Jesus' name. If you're watching online and this is for you, you don't have to say what it is, but you can just type, this is, this is for me, Pastor Daniel, and I'm going to go back and I'll check it and I'll pray for you specifically. I pray for people, I pray for our youth, I pray for you by name, and if this is something that you need help with, I want to pray for you. If you want to pray personally with you after service, come grab me, I'll, I'll pray with you. But in Jesus' name, I ask that right now, that as we go from here tonight, that you would bless every heart, that you would bless every believer, and that you would have us bring you to the world, that we'd be the light to the world, Lord, that we would just be a lamp on a hill, and that we would just shine over everyone, and that, that we bring your love to a world that needs you now more than it's ever needed you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you would just bless this church, bless the believers, bless everyone who's watching. And in Jesus' name, amen.